Seafood News. Hello, Seafood World, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News staff writer Amanda Buckle. And I'm Seafood Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. This week's episode is brought to you by the Seafood Innovation Expo, taking place at the Mazatlan International Center in Mexico from September 6th to the 7th. Visit expoinnovationayp.com or email expo at sbs-seafood.com for more information. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about another historic event for Pangasius, the latest word from NOAA on the China tariffs, ConAgra's acquisition of Pinnacle Foods, a robot collecting information on how lava from Kilauea's volcano is affecting marine life, and a brand new cooking show on Food Network, because I like TV and why not? Why not, Amanda? Now, if you're not already sick of me talking about Pangasius yet, I'm going to kick things off with some news from that market. A few weeks ago, U.S. wholesale prices for Pangasius frozen fillets hit a record high, and now that market is facing yet another historic event. Replacement costs for Pangasius have surpassed the record-setting level reached back in November 2017, setting a new record high for replacement prices. Increasing 10 cents from the previous month, the April 2018 figure, which was just released this month, of $1.82 per pound, is the highest on record. And I talked to quite a few people in the industry, and most said that this upward trend is not only expected, but could continue. What a time to be alive in the Pangasius market. It is an honor to be the Ernerberry Pangasius market reporter, let me tell you. I'm glad you are, <laughs> not me. <laughs> but uh, thanks for the update, Lauren. Um, moving along to the latest on the China tariffs, which, I mean, we're going to have to ask our producer slash editor, Sean, to make some sort of like segment audio clip. Let's like, China tariffs. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's just like, this is a topic we're going to be covering for a while. Like, we got to face it. Um, but the latest news is that NOAA has confirmed via email to people in the Alaska seafood industry that the 25% Chinese retaliatory tariff will not apply to reprocessed products for export. I repeat, the 25% Chinese retaliatory tariff will not apply to reprocessed products for export. Um, of course, there is a big but that comes along with it, and that's that a rebate, a rebate system, uh, sorry, rebate system may be in place. So one unresolved uh, issue still is that China has two types of import exemptions for reprocessing for export. And one involves no tariff for products that are exempt, and the other collects the tariff, but then rebates the value back to the company when the product is exported. And one sentence in the Chinese announcement suggests that the 25% tariff will be applied to everything, but then rebated for products that are exported. And we're um, actually still waiting for clarification on this. Can this situation get any more confusing? Possibly. I mean, the initial announcement was made right at the beginning of a long holiday weekend for the Dragon Boat Festival, which, side note, I'm going to start celebrating because you enjoy the weekend by eating dumplings, drinking wine, uh, which some would consider a normal weekend, but you also race dragon boats with your community. Uh, How I did a board cool that. is that? Yeah. So that set everyone back a couple days from getting clarification from the government, and this new tariff rate goes into place July 6th, which is just a couple days away at this point. I mean, well, the one good thing with the July 6th date is that we're bound to get answers soon when importers of record have to deal with Chinese custom officers. It's just a shame that industry members had to stress all this time and kind of get confirmation ahead of time. In other news, ConAgra Brands is buying Pinnacle Foods for 82 billion dollars in cash and stock. Uh, just money I have lying around on my couch. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, real quick for those who are not familiar with the two companies, uh, ConAgra Brands includes a lot of well-known products, including the frozen food line Banquet, childhood favorite Chef Boyardee, uh, Peter Pan peanut butter, 
and my go-to pasta night brand, Bertoli, <laughs> and a lot more. Too many to name. And Pinnacle Foods owns a lot of well-known brands, including Duncan Hines, Bird's Eye, Mrs. Butterworth's, Hungry Man, and how this ties into our seafood podcast, the Mrs. Paul's brand. I thought it was Mrs. Buttersworth's for the longest time, and then researching this story, I learned it's Mrs. Butterworth's. <laughs> Just one S. Butters. <laughs> yep. Now, ConAgra Chief Executive Sean Connolly, and I'm immediately picturing Sean Connery in my head, uh, has been revamping some of the older brands in their portfolio, and the company's refrigerated and frozen goods segment has become the company's fastest-growing division. So, buying Pinnacle Foods would add Mrs. Paul's, Bird's Eye, and many other frozen and refrigerated food brands into their portfolio. This move would bump up total sales for the combined companies to about $11 billion. And that number is based on the latest fiscal year from both companies. I mean, I think this could be an exciting move. I mean, Sean Connolly was quoted as saying that, you know, walking down the frozen food aisle, you can find products that look like they're left over from the 1980s and 1990s. And I like vintage stuff, but... (laughs) But not when it comes to food. No, but it's true. It's like, sometimes you look at these brands and you're like, this is like, I don't know, it's like, it's like weird. I'm like, I feel like I'm getting some, pulling something out of the freezer that my grandmother had. (laughs) Um, You know, but I, I, you know, I think it's, you know, it's true, but I mean, Healthy Choice, for instance, has rolled out some like pretty cool new products and they have these power bowls now. And uh, I mean, we all know how hot you know bowls are right now, like a kai bowls, mm-hmm. po- poke bowls. Uh, people just basically want to eat everything out of bowls right yep. now. Shovel it in. Yep. <laughs> so when this deal happens, uh, which is expected to close at the end of 2018, we could be seeing some interesting revamped products from Mrs. Paul's and other brands. Moving along, liquid We're going robotics. Fast today, jeez. Sorry, I'll slow down. No, 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 it's, it's me. I'm the speed talker group here. Uh, liquid Robotics, the creator of a wave and solar-powered unmanned ocean robot called Wave Gliders, is using their technology to study the effects of lava entering the ocean. Yes. So Hawaii's Kilauea volcano um, is, you know. This is not a surprise that we record this, and there's a lot of editing, and I cannot tell you how many takes it took me to say Kilauea. Kilauea. Yeah, it took me a lot, and I'm not even sure I'm still pronouncing it right, so my apologies if I offend anybody, but um, this volcano began erupting in early May, and it you know, forced evacuations of the Leilani Estate and Lanapuna divisions of the Big Island. And by the end of May, the lava flow reached the Pacific Ocean, creating a thick and hazardous cloud. Of course, the residents were warned about the toxic volcanic. Gla- uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Of course, residents were warned about the toxic volcanic gas emissions, but now Liquid Robotics will be able to give a better idea of how the volcanic eruptions and lava flow are affecting marine life, including coral reefs and fish populations, all without putting a single human life at risk. So the wave glider will get approximately 984 feet away from the lava plume and collect rare subsurface, surface, and atmospheric data. And these ocean robots will be able to collect data on water temperatures, oxygen levels, pH levels, salinity, underwater acoustics, and more. Researchers from the University of Hawaii at Hilo, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and the U.S. Geological Survey's Hawaiian Volcano Observatory will be able to look at this data and see how this lava flow plume impacts the surrounding ecosystem. I think it'll definitely be interesting to see what they find. You know, like um, I really hope there's a live feed camera on this thing. That would be pretty interesting yes. to see. But I mean, there was also like a, the volcano just like dissolved this like 400 year old lake that was like in in Hawaii and and there's no more lake. No, this this specific lake is gone. So I think it's you know you don't it's not every day that I mean obviously this you know volcano eruption is like terrible um, right. But you know it's not every day that you get to see this 
lava flowing into the ocean and i think it'll be pretty interesting to to see what they find and yeah for sure hopefully it's nothing that you know is too harmful i mean i highly doubt that's the case but <laughs> yeah. um you know like i said it'll be interesting what they find out but on to our final story of the day. Food Network is introducing a new series called Ultimate Summer Cook-Off, and I am all about it. Eddie Jackson, a former NFL player and the winner of Food Network Star Season 11, hosts this four-episode series that challenges competitors to test their skills and creativity with summer staples. The chef who wins the first challenge in each episode will receive a key advantage during round two, gaining access to a special cooler with high-end ingredients that no other competitor can use, before presenting their creations to a panel of expert judges. And of course, there is a seafood twist, otherwise we would not be talking about it on the Seafood News Podcast. So one of the contestants is a so-called seafood master, and one of the challenges is to create a six-foot-long lobster roll in 30 minutes. So, so the fun. last show, we talked about the giant sushi roll. This show, we're talking about six-foot lobster roll. I just hope that these larger-than-life creations are being consumed. Yeah, I mean, well, at least with the lobster roll, you'd think that... That's a little bit easier than a Than huge a huge lobster roll. I mean, a huge sushi, sushi, sushi roll. roll. Yeah. But uh, the lobster roll is, uh, I mean, the judges, there's like a, you know, like four or five judges mm-hmm. on the show, so at least like they have to. But is like, are they sharing? Is this one right. six-foot long lobster roll? Or is this, you know, like, because cut into like four pieces, that's like a decent... Yeah. I don't know. Huge. Can you like with your hands tell me how big six, six, six in, feet? Six feet. Wait, six inches. Six feet. Wait, six feet. Yeah, six feet. Like I'm five foot. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it's that's huge. Like way too much. <laughs> it's not a subway. I was size. thinking. I was thinking the f- wait five foot foot long. Wait, what is it? What's that commercial? Oh, the foot long. I'm thinking six, six, six inches, but okay. Yeah. So it's a foot long is is like a regular subway sandwich, and then yeah, and six foot six, longs. Yeah. That's too much. I'm not going there again. I'm going to end every podcast by saying that's, that's too, too much. much. That is just too much. Who's eating this? Exactly. Oh my God. There's no way that the judges, unless they had six judges and they all had like a foot long lobster roll. But Even when you're then, a judge, you have to just taste and then you're on to the next thing. So yes. that doesn't make, ugh. I hope they give it out to the audience at the end. Oh yeah. That would be a good, anyway, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested because it kind of seems like a little bit like chopped in that like, right. you get, you know, I mean, you get to pick this random ingredient, but it's like a better ingredient. So I like that element of it. Like the little surprise twist thrown in that yes. you know nobody else is. And it's always fun when like an underdog comes up and it's like, okay, so this person had the advantage, but now this but other then, person, yeah, it was like, I have no advantage. I'm still going to kick your butt. Right. <laughs> I think that's really cool. I love it. But uh, next week, we're actually going to be, um, you know, talking about another food show. And let me just quickly go back and plug this other show. So Ultimate Summer Cook-Off, it premieres on Food Network on Sunday, August 5th at 8 p.m. So you got a couple weeks before that uh, comes on. But it's definitely something to check out, um, especially we're going to have to check it out for that six-foot-long lobster roll. Yep. Um, but next week, tune in because we're going to be talking about a new Netflix series called Cooking on High. And it's new and it's been out for like a month. But we're just getting around to it because I sounds just, racy. Yeah, I don't have all the time in the world. But <laughs> cooking on high, it's yeah, it's it's food. I don't know if the chefs are actually high, but <laughs> the food they're cooking is is uh, entwined with marijuana. So there is a cod uh, episode. So we're gonna Laura and I are gonna watch that, not under the influence of anything. <laughs> a glass of wine. Yeah, at, that's it. You know, that's it. We're not in a, one of those crazy states. Um, <laughs> Shout out to California, but um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna watch that. And we're gonna we're gonna talk, give our give our thoughts on that because we as we know that everybody tunes in to hear our thoughts on cooking and 
things that are too big. I mean, yeah. Too much. It's just too much. <laughs> anyway, that wraps up our show for the week. And once again, this week's episode was brought to you by the Seafood Innovation Expo. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>